This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Today we're going to talk about some spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about winning the war. How many of y'all want to win the war? Amen? So we're going to talk about that today. So I want you to hang with me. And if you will, go ahead and jump in Ephesians 6 today. And uh, we're just going to dig into the Word and see what the Word says. I may go a few minutes longer than normal. Um, I just don't really want to fly through this. Is everybody okay with that? Good deal. Good deal. Well, hey, Ephesians 6, we're going to get to the Scripture in just a minute. Just go ahead and turn there. Um, but how many of you know we don't need to be unaware of the devil's schemes? And in case you didn't know, he's always scheming to try to get us off the right path that we're walking down, right? It could be a sin. It could be a situation. Uh, he's always going to try something to throw at us, or he's always going to try to throw something at us to trip us up. And the truth is, is he's a liar. We have a, a little saying around Church Alive, if his lips are moving, then he's lying. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. And the way that you overcome the enemy, the way that you overcome Satan and his lies is by knowing the truth according to the Word of God. You've got to know the truth. And you can actually be free of all that he throws at you. But truthfully, a lot of people are clueless as it relates to things that are going on in the heavenly realms. I need somebody to say heavenly realms this morning. A lot of people are clueless as it relates to that. And Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, he says, I pray that, you're at, that the eyes of your heart are enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened. So we need to know about what's going on. We don't need to just bury our heads in the sand and assume everything's okay. Amen? And so we need to be aware. So Ephesians 6, and we're going to start in verse 10 today. I'm reading in the NIV, and so it might be a little bit different. If you've ever memorized this scripture, it might be a little bit different. But it says this, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? The devil's schemes. Against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, everybody say, be alert. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's a powerful scripture, amen? amen? Now, Ephesians actually mentions the words heavenly realms five different times. And so if it does that, then we need to be aware of what the heavenly realms are and that there's a battle going on. We see the earthly realm, but we don't always know what's going on in the heavenly realms. And let me go ahead and just tell you, there's a battle going on that we need to be aware of, amen? amen. There is something that's happening 
Now, whenever you look at the scripture here, it says that the enemy is shooting flaming arrows at us. Did y'all notice that? Flaming arrows at us. Now, I want you to think about this. Let's talk about like war. Whenever the enemy is shooting flaming arrows at you, what kind of offensive weapon do you need to be able to combat that? You do need a shield. That's kind of more of defensive. But the truth is, is the word says in verse 17 that we have the shield of faith and then we have the sword of the spirit. Okay, whenever you have a sword against archers, it would seem like it's not really a fair battle, right? Because they might be shooting at you from 100 yards. And you're holding a sword, man. And how are you going to be fighting them? So here's the truth about spiritual warfare. We have to go toe-to-toe with the enemy. We can't just stand here and just constantly be on the defensive. We do have the shield of faith to be able to deal with those fiery darts that are being shot at us, but we have to take the word of God, and y'all, we have to chase the enemy down. Come on now. We've got to get on the offensive and go after him. We've got to go toe-to-toe fighting with the sword that God's given us. I want you to know this. Whenever we are praying, prayer isn't just communication with God, but it's us going toe-to-toe with the enemy. It's us going after the enemy. And y'all, the truth is, is that we're in a battle right now. We're in the fight of our lives right now. And I just want to kind of get real with you. Some of you may not believe we're really in a battle. Some of you may not actually believe that there's a real devil. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you can believe that, but it doesn't change anything at all because there's a real devil and we're in a battle according to the word of God. Amen. So I want to just go ahead and tell you today, we're going to look at what the word of God says about this. And I'm going to throw in some opinion and you don't have to believe my opinion, but if you call yourself a child of God, and if you call yourself a believer, you have no choice but to believe what the word of God says. Amen. So that we're going to see what the Word of God says today, but spiritual warfare is real, and we need to be engaged at all times. So today we're going to look at some facts about our enemy. We're going to look at some weapons that we have, and then we're going to look at some assignments that we need to be doing to win the war. Amen? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at some facts about our enemy based on the Word of God. These are going to be real simple. Number one, the devil's real. Our enemy is real. He's a person, not just a symbol in Scripture. And there are actually studies that show that half of the believers in America do not believe in a real, literal devil. Something's wrong with that. There's a real devil. And here's the thing. He wants us to believe that he's not real. Because 2 Corinthians says this, chapter 11, verse 14, for even Satan, somebody say disguises, disguises himself as an angel of light. So he doesn't want us to even think that he's real. Whenever you look at Isaiah 14 and then Revelation 12, it talks about whenever Satan was ultimately booted out of heaven, and it just shows how he went from ultimately heaven to hell. And it says this in Revelation 12, starting in verse 7. It says, Then war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. By the way, whenever you look in Scripture, Michael is always the warring angel. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon, talking about Satan, was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. So this is talking about whenever Satan, Lucifer, was actually hurled out of heaven, and a third of the angels with him. 
So the devil's real, right? The word talks about it. Fact number two about the devil is he has his sights on you and me. Yeah, nobody really gave God some glory on that one, did they? No, the fact is, is that Satan's got his sights on you and he's got his sights on me as well. John 10.10 gives us the main objective of the enemy. What does it say? He comes to steal, kill, destroy. But then I love this. Jesus comes and he says, but I've come that you may have life. Listen, don't ever give God credit for the terrible things that happen in your life. Don't ever start this, how could God do this to me thing. That's not what God does. Come on now. It says right here what Satan does. Three different things. This is what he comes to do. Kill, steal, and destroy. Then 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's looking for someone to devour. Somebody say resist him. Resist him standing firm in the faith. And the truth is, is he's got his crosshairs on you and he's got his crosshairs on me. But don't get scared about that. You want to know why he's got his crosshairs on you? Because you're in the will of God doing what you're supposed to do. Can I go ahead and just uh, encourage you and say this? He doesn't mess with ineffective Christians. Come on now. He, he's going after people that are making a difference. Now, let's also get real just for a minute. There are sometimes whenever Christians will feel like they are getting attacked by the enemy, but they're just making really stupid decisions. <laughs> I had a relative one time that got a ticket running 80 and a 60, and he said, it's just another attack of the enemy. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> I, look, you talk to your relatives like this. No, dummy, it's a foot problem is what it is. So not everything's an attack of the enemy. Sometimes we make poor decisions. But he's not going after ineffective Christians. He's going after people that are kingdom-minded. He's going after people that, man, they just want to share with somebody what God's done in their life. He's going after people that are on fire for God that are all in. Somebody say all in. They're all in. That's what the devil's going after. Those are the people he's going after. The third fact today is, is he responds to a higher authority. The devil responds to a higher authority. Since he's in another realm, higher authority gets his attention. It gets his attention. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in you than he who's in the world. Somebody say, greater is he. That's a word for somebody today. Right now, you're going through something and you feel like you're all alone. The one who's inside of you is greater than any problem you're facing right now. And you need to be reminded that greater is he who's in, on the inside of you than whatever problem you're facing. Greater is he than the enemy. Greater is he, amen? So the Bible's given us three weapons as well that we need to actively use to fight our enemy also. And I want to go ahead and tell you, this isn't to get anybody scared today. I think you're going to leave here encouraged, ready to go fight, amen? So let's look at those weapons real quick. Weapon number one is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Luke 10, 17 through 19. The 72 returned with joy and said, real quick, the 72 were disciples outside of the regular 12. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. What? In your name. Whenever the name of Jesus was used, the demons were submitting. 
Even the demons submit to us in your name. And then Jesus gives them a little history lesson here. He says, listen, guys, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which are metaphors for demonic activity, just so you know. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. So here's what I love. They said the demons respond to your name, just the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, you need to respond to the enemy with the name of Jesus. Amen? Can I go ahead and just tell you, it is foolish for you to ever go into a battle with the enemy without taking Jesus with you. You don't want to fight him by yourself. But whenever you fight him with Jesus, you're going to be victorious every time. Come on now. Amen? Thank you, guys. So the name of Jesus. And, and by the way, the whole I saw Satan fall like lightning thing, let me give you a little history lesson there too. Most theologians, and I totally believe this way as well, believe that Satan was cast out of heaven between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Let me explain it to you real quick. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? We remember that. Verse 2 says, now the earth was formless and empty. I don't know about you, but I've never known God to create anything that was formless and empty. It says that darkness was hovering over the surface of the deep. So what theologians believe is the fact that God created heavens and the earth. Satan was cast out of heaven down. And because his presence always brings darkness. Come on now. His presence always brings emptiness. And so God then had to correct the situation. So God then had to say in verse 3, and let there be light. Come on now. So, so that's just kind of uh, some info for you right there. So he was thrown down, formless, dark. God said, well, let's fix this. Let there be light. Now, that's actually what he does in our life. Think about it. Because we're created, and then we're like messed up because we're in a sin-filled world, right? But then he comes and brings the light and recreates us. Recreates us. That's really what this was in Genesis 1-1. It was almost like the recreation story. Uh, and by the way, just a, a thought, something I want to encourage you with, that whole battle that took place up in heaven, and I mean, Satan was soaring like lightning. Think about that. Jesus actually used those terms. That battle lasted about a second. It wasn't like a Rocky movie where they fought for an hour and a half. And Jesus or the Lord at the very end just barely pulled out the wind. I, I want somebody to understand today, Satan was a created being, and God has never struggled with him. By snapping his finger, he could be done with. He will never have more power than our God, somebody. Amen? That needs to encourage somebody today. <clears throat> Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So here, there, everywhere, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Wherever the devil operates, his knee will bow to the name of Jesus. It will bow to the name of Jesus. Now, I, I want to tell you, whenever you've got the Lord in your life, whenever you're walking around with authority, the enemy trembles.
we need to let the enemy know who we are. We need to let the enemy know that we're full of Jesus and that we're walking around using his name. It's as if we're being deputized and he's going to tremble whenever he knows that. Amen? You've got to use the name of Jesus. Our second weapon is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. Now, now I want to ask you, why is the cross so powerful? It's because sin is what gives the enemy power. It gives him the power, and Jesus paid for all of our sins. He paid it all. We sang about it just a little while ago. It was the ultimate defeat. And has the enemy ever reminded anybody of their past in here? Come on now. If you really want to get on his last nerve, go ahead and just remind him that your past was already taken care of. That your past doesn't matter. Only the past of Jesus matters because he took care of your sin. Amen? He took care of your sin. The cross paid for all your sins, past, present, and future. The third weapon is the Word of God. The Word of God. In Matthew 4 and in Luke 4, there's the account of whenever Jesus was being tempted by the enemy. And every time he was tempted, he responded in a certain way. He used the Word of God. He used the Word of God. Now, as I've said in the past, whenever you're fighting the enemy, you can't shoot the enemy. It doesn't work. You may have a gun or you may have a house full of guns, but it is no good as it relates to spiritual warfare. So you've got to use the weapons that we've been talking about today. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of God. And I just want to go ahead and tell you, there's a serious problem we have going on in our country right now where Christians do not know the word of God. Come on now, y'all got to talk to me a little more than that. I get asked on a regular occasion, hey, how should I pray about this situation? What does the word of God say? We've got to get into the Word of God. Just so you know, getting in the Word of God isn't so you can check it off your list like, well, I did what I should have done today. Getting in the Word of God is just loading up ammunition for your fight with the enemy. And so we've got to know the Word of God. The truth is, is that we know facts about celebrities. We know statistics about athletes. We know all the characters on all the Netflix shows. Please don't shout me down, somebody. We know all this worthless information that the moment we take our last, last breath will mean nothing. It'll mean nothing. But between now and then, we know all this worthless information, but we're getting our tails handed to us because we don't know the Word of God. See, we were meant to walk in victory. We were meant to walk in authority. And this is how we do it right here, but we got to open up the book to know how to do it. And so whenever you're walking through things like, for instance, maybe you're overwhelmed. You know, Romans 8, 37 says, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Come on now. Whenever COVID hit, if you were freaking out, let me go ahead and just tell you, this church stood on Psalms 91 instantly. Instantly. I'm talking like before they ever said, start wearing things on your face and whatever. I mean, like we instantly, y'all remember that? It was early March of 2020. We said, we're going to stand on Psalms 91 during this situation. Psalms 91.3, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every disease, from every deadly disease. Whenever you're sick, 
Psalms 103, 2 and 3, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sins and heals. He heals all my diseases. Whenever you're dealing with financial issues, what does it say in Philippians 4, 19? My God shall supply all, somebody say all, all my needs according to his riches. Whenever you're dealing with fear, and let me go ahead and tell you, right now fear is trying to lock down people, even Christians, the way it did with COVID, based on what happened this week on the news. Don't forget who you've got inside of you, what we're talking about right now. 2 Timothy 1.7, he's not giving you a spirit of fear. If you are fearful, that did not come from God. Only the enemy serves up fear. And so it's up to you whether or not you're going to take it and hang on to it. It's not going to do you a lick of good. But it says he's giving you power, authority, love, and a sound mind. Whenever everybody else is losing their mind, you can be walking in the promises of God. Listen, keeping your mind sound. Amen? Amen. Amen. Also on fear, Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and salvation. Who? Shall I fear? What about whenever a war breaks out? I don't know. Psalms 46.1, God's our refuge and strength, a very help in time of trouble. This, this word right here, this is how we combat the enemy, y'all. And he responds to it every time. He responds to the name of Jesus every time. And once again, it's not about just saying you read the word of God, but it's about just building up that ammunition so that you can fight the enemy. And I want you to know this. Every time, every time we quote scripture to the enemy, we're taking the sword and we're just slashing him. We're just slashing him and we're wounding him and we're just defeating what he's trying to do in our lives. You need to know this word, y'all. You got to get in it. You shouldn't have to Google Scriptures about fear. Come on. You need to know this word of God. And you need to show the enemy that you know it. Make him think twice about messing with you. Come on now. Make him think twice. All right, so let's look at a few different assignments that we need to do every day. Some things we need to do every day. The first thing is this, is we need to submit ourselves to God. Daily, we need to submit ourselves to God. If you want to defeat the enemy, you need authority. So we got to submit to God. I, I want you to know this, and we're going to put it on the screen. Whenever you read this, this applies to me, and it applies to you as well. My authority is only as strong as my relationship with the Lord. If you don't have much of a relationship with the Lord, if you don't know this word, then you don't have much authority. That's why a lot of believers right now are just in a mode of defeat. They're in a mode of defeat. There's really not a relationship there, and they want victory, and they're not getting victory, and they can't understand why. Because there's not a relationship, because they don't know the Word of God. I want you to think about this, talking about submitting. James 4, 7. Look at how it starts out. Submit yourselves then to God. The first thing James 4, 7 says is submit to God. Most of us know really the second half of it. The second half of James 4, 7 says this, resist the devil and he'll flee. But we've got to submit to God if we want to see him flee in our lives. That's the first step. So we've got to submit ourselves 
to God. Here's the truth. Whenever me, whenever you, whenever we're not submitted to the Lord, we're walking in the authority of us and not Jesus. I don't want to walk in Gene's authority because I'm powerless without him in my life. Amen? In those heavenly realms, I don't have any authority without him. You may have some authority at work, doesn't do you lick of good as it relates to spiritual warfare, right? So we need to make sure that we have that relationship with him and we daily surrender to him, we daily die to self, and we daily walk with him. And that's how we're going to walk in his power and authority. The second assignment is, is we need to close any doors that gives the enemy access. We're going to sit here just for a minute. We need to close any doors that gives the enemy access. Uh, too many people have opened doors allowing him access in their lives, and they just can't understand why he's moving in their lives, the enemy. They just can't understand it. I want you to know that we personally are a lot, are often responsible for the attacks in our lives and the attacks on our family. A lot of times we bring it on. You know, as I said earlier, there's times where we make dumb decisions, and it's not an attack of the enemy, but there's a lot of times where we make dumb decisions and we open the door for the enemy to come right on in. What are you talking about, Gene? Glad you asked. I'm going to go ahead and just tell you, come October, Halloween, you don't need to have nothing to do with Halloween. Christians have no business dealing with Halloween. Witches are a real thing, just so you know. They're not just a cartoon where they fly around on brooms with a pointed hat. They're a real thing. There are witches out there. I know a pastor who was recently telling me about a witch who got converted and came to their church and started just telling them exactly how they almost have revival around October. And I'm talking about that community of witches because that is their time of year. Let me go ahead and tell you, we don't need to have anything to do with that. And it may seem unpopular. I'm just telling you what I believe. And I would rather be safe than sorry. Ephesians 5.11 says, have nothing. Can somebody say nothing? nothing? Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. Have nothing to do with them. But rather expose them. Expose the deeds of darkness. And you may say it's innocent. Once again, I'm not going to mess around with it. My kids have never officially trick-or-treated. And they just know it's something that the Amoson family doesn't do. I'm not going to prop that door open. Amen? That's just me. Uh, another thing is, is there's a whole lot of Christians that allow things into their home that they have no business allowing into their home. Netflix, there's a lot of trash on there. I actually just saw a few sets of eyes cut over, like, oh crud, oh crud. We were at dinner the other night, and somebody mentioned a certain television show, and the comment was made, don't know what that, that show is, and the waitress, in a nutshell, said, well, it can be a little raunchy at times, but you just kind of got to close your eyes and get through that part. It doesn't need to be on in my house then. That was a clue that I don't need to turn it on. We actually don't even have Netflix accounts. We're so lame. You know, we like watch the weather channel. Um, but, but the truth is, is we've allowed things to come into our house, and we call it entertainment, movies that are filthy, movies that have vulgar language. We would never want our children to talk this way, but it's okay if we're entertained by it. Come on now. It's okay to be entertained by it. 
We let video games be played where our kids are killing people and that sort of thing. But we let our kids do some of this stuff. We let them have Netflix accounts. And y'all, we have got to be careful. Come on now, we've got to be careful. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if, if shows about murdering, if shows about where people are tortured, uh, if these kind of things provide you entertainment, I'm going to go ahead and say you need to have a little talk with Jesus. We need to close some doors, amen? Another door that we need to close is anger. We need to close the door on anger. Uh, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down on you while you're angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. We all get angry, we just can't stay angry. Amen? we got to close the door on that. Forgiveness is another one. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul actually talks about the discipline of a man who had a moral failure. That was in 1 Corinthians. And then in 2 Corinthians, uh, he's telling the church, he, say, he says, listen, this guy's been restored. You need to treat him right and you need to forgive him. It's the right thing to do. So 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 says, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. Verse 11, so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes Paul's telling us here that if we leave the door to unforgiveness open that the enemy is going to outsmart us because it's one of his schemes so we've got to forgive the word tells us that once again so that door is not left open amen Psalms 139 starting in verse 23 it says, search me, O God. You know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. I love this in verse 24. Point out anything in me that offends you. Yo, we need to get real with God. And we need to let him point out whatever it is in our life that he doesn't see as pleasing. Jeremiah 17, 9 actually says that the heart is deceitful above all things. So too many times we try to say, no, 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 it's okay. God's okay with me doing this. No, no, no. We need to really get real with God and say, God, are you okay with this? What is it that you would have me to change? What doors do I need to close? And whatever he reveals to us, we need to get to closing doors. Amen? We need to get to closing doors. The, the third assignment is we need to confront the enemy daily. We need to confront him daily. That's part of being on the offensive. We need to go after him. We do need to realize this is spiritual warfare, but we also need to realize that spiritual warfare is not devil-focused. It's God-focused. Right? Here's some good news for you. God is so much bigger than the enemy. God is so much bigger than your problem. So stare at how great your God is and not how your problem is. Somebody needs to hear this today. Whatever you stare at will grow. If you focus on your problem, if you focus on the attack that you're dealing with, as you continue to focus on it and focus on it and focus on it, it's going to get bigger, it's going to get bigger, it's going to get bigger, whenever God needs to be getting bigger and not smaller in your situation. Don't stare at the size of your problem. Stare at the size of your God. Amen.
And whenever we pray, whenever we pray, we focus our time, of course, on our great God. But at the same time, we need to bind, we need to rebuke, we need to speak the word of God to whatever it is that we're confronting with the enemy. We need to confront him in the name of Jesus. Amen? We need to take the word with us. We need to speak the word. We need to speak to whatever the spirit is in that situation as well. So we need to confront the enemy. If y'all will, go ahead and stand with me this morning. This week as I was reading my word, I was in 1 Chronicles, and I was reading about whenever David had been made king and all the men that started to come to him and started to basically side with him and support him and what he was doing. And it was hundreds of thousands of men ultimately. So as you go in the word and you're looking and showing like what tribe brought what men, something just kind of jumped out at me. It's 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32. It says, from Issachar, men who understood the times. It didn't say that about any others. Men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I think I've got people here today, men and women, that understand we're in some very interesting times right now. And that it's time that we pray. And we don't just hope that things get better, but we start to speak the word of God. We start to speak the name of Jesus to address the enemy in our lives and what's going on in our world. So in just a moment, we're all going to do that. We're going to, we're going to worship just for a moment, and then we're going to come back and we're going to pray in just a moment. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. Visit the church Sunday mornings at 10 or listen on Renew 96.9.